This is an interview with Sean Myers of Gates to the Morning on Friday, November 12th, 2021, by Nick Burkell. Now, Sean, what was it like getting your first guitar? Well, the first actual guitar I had uh, was from a friend in high school. It was uh, an Ibanez that he sold me for 50 bucks, and it uh, you know, would go out of tune on its own pretty easily and needed a lot of work, but it was something that I could just... Um, you know, play at the time I was kind of just playing like real power chords and, and like simple kind of uh, black metal stuff at the time. So I was just using it to write black metal riffs. So it, it did the it did the trick. Um, but then I got actually, you know, I started really getting interested in guitar and um, I ended up getting uh, my parents got me an SG, um, a Gibson SG, because I like the versatility of the SG. I feel like you can play, um, you know, you could play blues on it and you could play, you know, metal it, it just seemed very versatile so um and i still use the sg i have a couple other guitars now but it's still kind of like my what i consider my true first guitar now when you were younger and over the years were you involved with private tutors music classes or conservatories to develop yourself as a musician yes um absolutely and i i admire people people who are um self-taught because I always like I had no clue what I was doing <laughs> at first when it comes to just about especially drums I, I really needed guidance and I needed direction so I think that started in like fourth grade I was about 10 I started taking instructions and then it kind of just built from there and I you know um, went to college I went to Montclair State for jazz performance um, so that's kind of where my you know education music education kind of took me. So, yeah, but I've had a lot of teachers throughout the years, and they've, I'm grateful for all of them. For you personally, what bands and albums shaped your musical taste? Uh, I would say, you know, I have to give a lot of credit to, uh, I guess, two people. I'll say my dad um, and a friend of mine, Ryan Gobiel. I'll give Ryan a shout out. So I, I think my dad got me into classic rock and, and jazz fusion um, at an early age, you know, so I credit him for, you know, stuff like Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, um, Chick Corea and Ma Vishnu. Um, so I credit a lot of that, you know, he helped shape my musical taste. And then when we were kids, this was, uh, you know, my friend, Anthony Gobiel, who's played on my record, uh, his older, you know, he was, his brother was a few years older, his brother, Ryan, and he got us into some of the, you know, extreme metal essentials the Demo Borgir, Cannibal Corpse, Opeth, um, those kind of things, I think, help shape. By the time I started writing music, those all those influences kind of um, were the foundation for me. You visited various parts of Norway. What were some of your favorite memories and sites that you visited? Yeah, uh, I've been to Norway three times. And coincidentally, my girlfriend um, is from Norway. Um, and I met her. right. I already had the first trip booked to Norway. And I, you know, everything was already planned. And then I had met her um, and, you know, I told her, I said, oh, I'm going to Norway. And she was Norwegian. She didn't believe me at first. But um, so that was my first trip. I did three weeks. I was just by myself. Um, unfortunately, my girlfriend, she couldn't come with me at the time because it was the last we had just met right before. Um, so I was all over the place. I, I was up north, down south. And her family, I, when I went back, her, she has family in Narvik um, up north. Um, which is an awesome, um, awesome spot. It's just a little town. It's it's very modest. It's not like you know Oslo or Bergen or anything like that. But 
um, I liked it, you know, for that reason. And, uh, you know, beautiful nature. Lofoden was amazing. The, the islands out there. I went surfing out there. Um, and then she had family in Stavanger as well. Stavanger was beautiful and all the surrounding areas. We did a, a hike at a Prekestolen. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, so that's like if you're in Norway and you can do that hike. I mean, there's a lot of hikes that you can do. But um, it's hard to pick a favorite spot. But it was definitely – I loved it up north. And I loved, I loved the kind of like the in-between. I drove around a lot and not necessarily the destinations, but a lot of times just driving from spot destination to destination. It's just a country I think you can just like drive and it's like it's just beautiful just to drive through. So, yeah, basically uh, the whole the whole country. <laughs> like as a music fan, what did you like more, um, the Oslo uh, areas or the Bergen? Um, it's like, you mean musically? You said? So I actually went to kind of funny. You mentioned that I went to two festivals. One was Midgard's Blut and that was outside of, uh, Oslo about, I think about an hour outside of Oslo. Um, and that was incredible. Um, it was like, you know, black metal Woodstock, if you know, to put it, (laughs) um, that's the best way I could put it. Um, so it was, that was an incredible experience and I, I do hope to go back. I haven't been back, um, since, but and uh, then Bergen had uh, the Beyond the Gates Festival, which was also awesome. It just was, you know, more like a venue. It wasn't like this kind of, you know, uh, it was a festival, but not in the same sense that Midgar's Blue was. Like I said, you know, it's very like, for lack of a better way of putting it, like a Woodstock sort of thing, you know, with black metal and folk bands. Um, so that was really cool. But the, Ber- you know, uh, Beyond the Gates, that it was a killer lineup and... You know, it was a lot of a lot of the same people went to both festivals, so um, they were both really great. So, but, you know, it rains a lot in Bergen, but uh, it, everything was inside, so it didn't really matter. So, now, were you a fan of Windier ceremonial castings or Awada? Yeah, so Windier actually, you know what? That's another. I went to visit um, Valfar, right? I believe I'm saying that right. Um, his grave in uh, Sognadal. So I actually went to visit his his gravesite um, there, and um, so I have pictures from that, and it was cool to you know kind of pay tribute in my own way. Um, so, but yeah, so I'm a big I love Windir. Um, Uwada is a new band that I um, discovered somewhat recently, like a year ago or so, and uh, and then like as soon as I discovered them, a friend told me about them too, and, and you know I started really listening to them. They they're um, I love the riffs they have. So yeah, I've been I've been uh, a fan of theirs um, for about a year or so too. And then ceremonial castings, I believe, is a. I think is that a side project of Uwada? No, no, or no. Is that the same? Check thing? it out. Um, That's a different ceremonial. Entire- is um, the earlier band of Jake Superchi. Um, they just okay. That's- they were um, right. dormant for a couple of years, like the first few years of Uwada. And uh, now they're bringing them back um, with some new re-releases and things like that. And they may record some new music, although I'm not sure. Right. Okay, cool. So there, I have yet to check them out, but um, hearing Uwada, you know, I am a, a fan of those those guys. So uh, that's, that's going to be on my list now. I'll have to check them out. So thank you for the recommendation. Now, can you describe your music collection? Like, how large is it? And can you tell me about some of your more prized pieces in it? Yeah, so um, 
you know, I'm sitting down here actually and my, my, you know, a lot of these vinyls are my dad. So my dad collected vinyl, but I collected CDs. Um, and I, I kind of stopped recently because it was just getting like, I'm trying to simplify and I was getting ready to move and everything. So I've kind of stopped collecting CDs because the jewel cases have just like taken over my life. You know, my car is full. <laughs> it's ridiculous, but I have, you know, jewel cases all throughout my car. It's, they're just everywhere. And I'm not the most organized person. So I recently got rid of a lot of the jewel cases and kept the booklets and CDs themselves, at least to cut down on some of the, you know, actual material, you know. Um, but I did keep, you know, several um, ones like, you know, that were really kind of prized possessions, I guess, like um, uh, Thurgathan's Dream from the Heavens. Um, it's like an old funeral doom. You know, they were kind of the pioneers, I think. I think it's safe to say that. Um, so, like, I saved that CD. Um, some nostalgic pieces like a Blind Guardian live double disc. It's just something I listened to since I was, you know, a kid. It's just cool to have the same copy of that CD. A lot of the CDs I have, though, are just like, um, you know, they're they're burnt out. Like, you know, they're skipping and, you know, it's harder and harder to listen to CDs. So now everything's um, so digital and I'm trying to get all my CDs onto a hard drive and that's that's exhausting. So it's kind of like my whole music collection is kind of a mess and I'm kind of lost too as to how to listen to music. I, I'm not too big into the streaming stuff, but I have to be because like, what else are you going to do? You know, like finding a CD player is like hard to do. You know, I, I got one for Christmas last year. I'm, I don't know how um I found it, but so it's getting harder for me to like really collect music, but I did save some, some CDs like the Thurgathan one, Blind Guardian, um, trying to think of some others that were really kind of rare, like a Morgion CD um, that's hard to find. Um, so stuff like that. So I do still have a lot of CDs, but I've gotten rid of the jewel cases, though. I see. Now, how did your band Gates to the Morning form? And tell me the history before uh, you recorded your album. Yeah, so Gates of the Morning was just a project. Like when I got that Ibanez guitar that I was talking about earlier, I kind of just decided, you know, like I, I just wanted to write a really simple kind of um, second wave symphonic black metal stuff, so like Enslaved, uh, Emperor, kind of, you know, stuff like that, um, and a little bit of Dark Throne influence. And so I started doing that. I was recording at my like home little home studio setup, and the project was going well. And I was about halfway through. And I don't know what happened. I'm, I'm pretty technologically inept, um, I'll admit, but uh, all the files got corrupted and I couldn't recover them. So that was back in like 2008, 2009. And at that time, I was getting ready to go into school. I was trying to prepare, you know, learn jazz, learn to play jazz better. So I was, and I was pretty kind of devastated by losing the files. So I ended up just kind of like folding it for a long time and focused on playing jazz and, and stuff. I resurrected it in around like 2016. I started really writing again and I had the SG this time. I had a more serious, like decent guitar. And so I kind of just resurrected it and I said, you know, what? I just got to write an album because it never happened the first time. So I did Return to Earth was really just kind of me getting it off my chest, like 10, 10 plus years of like material and stuff. And so you know, that that's what Return to Earth is. And that's why I kind of, you know, you'll hear a lot of different types of tunes on that record because it's a collection of basically everything I wrote over the span of like almost 10 years. Yeah, I guess I, I'll say that it kind of, um, it kind of you know, uh, reaches peak when we finally released the album and 
2019. Can you give me a rough order on how the songs came together and what was going on as you were writing uh, Return to Earth? Yeah, so that that's hard to say because the songs, like like I said, were kind of, um, you know, like a scattered throughout this 10-year period. Um, so it, it, I can't even remember really what song came first necessarily because it was all just – it was really just um, – a huge composite of like riffs, you know, and themes and ideas. So it wasn't ever really like one song was written and then another song was written. Um, I will say I had one really productive day that kind of kicked it off. Um, or I wrote, I wrote return. I wrote the song return to earth actually. And it's a really simple, it's basically one riff, the whole song that kind of started. I said, okay, I should release this as a single. I don't even know if it was going to be a band or anything. I just wanted to release a song. And then a couple weeks later, I had a really productive day on guitar, um, wrote a ton of stuff that ended up being uh, the song Rekindled, like parts of Rekindled and parts of Freezing the Sundials. And it was just kind of like a really productive day. So I, I kind of started writing in chunks and it was all scattered and organizing it was kind of like putting a jigsaw puzzle together. So I couldn't even really tell you what came first. Well, I, like I said, Return to Earth came first, the song. Um, but after that, everything kind of just got, you know, mushed up. And then I had to like jigsaw it all together. So can you tell me about the equipment you used in a typical day in the studio and like how the recording yeah, process so, was like? Um, most notably, um, and I am a drummer first, so I, I'm going to say this first. Um, the drum set I love to use is the Pearl Master Studio I bought back in 2006. Um I saved up a lot of money to, to buy it, it's a, and I'll have it forever. It's a beautiful uh, birch kit, so it's really great in the studio. But I have used it live too. It's it's too nice of a kit not to not to use for live shows too. Sometimes, um, so you know, um, Pearl Master Studios birch, the snare is maple. Um, I typically play you know Zildjian cymbals, um, and then so that's a drum set. Um, the guitar I used was uh, right before I started tracking. My uncle passed away, and I inherited um, uh, his. Uh, and shamefully, I don't know much about. I'm not a good gearhead when it comes to guitar, um, but it was. It's a nice uh, Les Paul Studio. It's a really beautiful guitar, and um, that's the one I used to track all my guitar parts for Return to Earth. And then everything else was just like kind of studio keyboards and, and stuff like that. And the typical process in the studio, I mean, it's there's two phases. The pre-production is is so important because once you're in the studio, you're on the clock, and you know you kind of have to make be really efficient. So I basically record the album before I go into the studio, you know, just to iron out any kinks and make sure there's like nothing that's gonna catch me by surprise. Because then, you know, one little thing could go wrong, and then it costs you two hours in the studio, and that's precious time. But in the studio, I worked with um, Kevin Andresian at Backroom Studios. And, you know, he, um, especially for me being new to, you know, I tracked drums with him a lot, but I had never done anything else in the studio before, like guitar, vocals, all that extra stuff. So he really just kind of made it easy for me and guided me through everything and, you know, covered up a lot of my mistakes and stuff like that. So, and uh, made me sound better than I actually am. <laughs> so, but, you know, there's those are the two phases like and right now I'm in pre-production for the next albums where it's like really just basically recording the song demo quality on my end. So that way, when we go into the studio, it's just hit the ground running all business and, you know, you get in and out 
and you know try not to waste any time because you know the clock's ticking when you're in the studio so what was it like writing two well winners? two winners it's kind of funny you asked about the order of like songs that i i wrote and i i said i wrote return to earth first but otherwise i didn't really have an order because it was just like this whole amalgamation of riffs but two winners was actually the last song i wrote so i i know the first song i wrote which was return to earth and the last song was two winners and i kind of um wrote it at the last minute and I just squeezed it in in time to to record it so two winners was was fun I, I really I liked the the chord shapes um it was influenced by I was teaching a song that uh to a student on guitar and I almost don't even want to say what song it was but you would never guess right it was just this chord shape it was from a band you probably would never guess and because it didn't really sound what I liked about it was I took kind of somewhat similar chords but made it sound very different and i modified it and kind of you know completely changed it around so that was that was fun and i think you know a lot of the those chords i um in harmony i was kind of starting to you know it's almost hinting at more of like what's coming you know so it was the last song on the record so um not to say that everything's going to sound like that but i was starting to get more comfortable on writing on guitar by the time I wrote Two Winners. Now, I noticed you have guest vocals on Crestfallen and Return to Earth. Can you tell me about the singer that yeah. you used for those songs, as well as just uh, right. writing so, those songs? Right, um, so she, that, so Meg Moyer is her name. Um, I went into the studio and this is how, you know, kind of raw it was at the time. I went in and I wasn't even sure if I was gonna do vocals. I just knew I was gonna lay down the drums. When I had the drums, ready i was like okay i'm gonna do this and then i'll figure everything else out as we go and um kevin and tracy and the uh, engineer asked me he said well what are you thinking for vocals i said well i might do some vocals but i also have uh i hear female vocals in at least two songs and he said right away he said i know the exact person you should um talk to you know to hire to to sing on those songs and somehow he knew it was exactly what i was meg moyer's um uh, everything like the way she sang the songs and also her tone it was exactly what I wanted so I don't know how he knew that but he did so he's you know Kevin's got great instinct and you know he's got a great uh, ears as well so yeah she she did like exact I can't imagine I didn't even think I was going to get I thought I was going to have to settle for something close because sometimes you have things in your head uh, of how like okay it's going to sound this way and she's going to have this type of voice even though I don't know who she is right uh, but she ended up being having that type of voice and it was just perfect for for the music. So um, and she kind of, you know, I kind of wrote the vocal parts as a guide for her. And then she did her thing with it and did some harmonies and stuff. So, um, yeah, I really hope to have Meg on uh, some of the next, you know, the upcoming stuff that I'm working on, too. And. Uh... What was it like uh, writing Crestfallen? Crestfallen was cool. You know, like I said, like I can't even remember like like oh when I wrote Crestfallen because I probably wrote, wrote um, you know two riffs or something like that. And I actually I did. That was one of that that first productive day I had where I really just had an explosion of like material. I might have wrote like two riffs, and you know I was looking for something real aggressive and and kind of you know raw sounding somewhat second wave sort of black metal you know so that's what I, I was being deliberate about you know 
how I was trying to write that song. So I think I had like the main riff and then another riff. And then just throughout the, you know, the next few months, I think I kind of just pieced it together and had wrote parts to fill in the space, you know, the spaces that I had. Um, but I was, you know, it was very intentional um, to have the first half be really raw, aggressive, second wave inspired black metal. And then to open it up at the end, that that riff at the end, the whole theme kind of at the end is actually a really old thing I wrote. Um, it's another thing where I was I was learning a song on guitar that you probably would never would recognize, you know, at least you wouldn't put the two together. But I kind of just really um, transformed like this guitar riff. I won't even say the band because I'd rather it not be in people's heads, you know, because it's kind of because nobody's ever guessed it really. So I'm like, OK, cool. I disguised it really well. And you know, reharmonized. It just did a lot of different things with it. So by the time the second half of that crestfallen was done, um, you know, it's unrecognizable um, from what I was inspired by. But you know, that that was a really old riff. The whole second half. So I kind of just took something from like ten years ago, and then five years later, you know, it's it was really like jigsaw puzzling all these riffs from from different time periods in my life. What is your most cherished musical? Possession? Probably that's actually a pretty easy one. That's um, the the drum set I was talking about earlier, the uh, Pearl Masters Studio Kit. Um, it was once again that was like exactly the kit I wanted, and I happened to just walk into a guitar set. I was saving up for it. I was going to custom order it off of Pearl's website, and um, I you know I was only 16 and I had been working a job at a pharmacy for a couple of years, and I had just saved up enough to to buy it because it was you know it was it cost me um it was totally worth it um and i'll have that drum set forever so i just walked in the guitar center one day and it was like sitting there the exact setup i wanted like everything about it i was like well that's obviously really meant to be so so that's my i would say that's my prized possession i'll i'll never get rid of that kit now what is your favorite urban legend or ghost story from living in the tri-state hmm, you know that's a good question um you know, there's that whole weird New Jersey thing, and and I've done a few of those activities and stuff. But, but really, where I'm I'm lucky to live here in in a lot of ways. Um, New Jersey's becoming kind of unlivable in some other ways. But, um, as far as like um, the area I live in, and and I live in the woods in in, in Bloomingdale. Um, but I'm also you know, close to the city or close to the beach or, you know, I'm kind of in the epicenter of like everywhere I would ever need to be. So that's what I love about the, this place. But I think kind of just like where I live and, 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 you know, nearby the surrounding areas, there's a lot of spooky stuff. And, and, and some of the land does have, you know, sadness to it. There's a certain sadness about some of the land and, and somberness. And there's a lot of like, kind of, you know, you can go to some areas that, that feel haunted. So I, I can't really pick one specifically, like where there was one spot I went to and I was like, oh, that's that's it. But just the kind of the whole vibe up here is, you know, and it, it's got beauty, too. It's not all just haunted houses and stuff. But, um, you know, there's a lot there's a lot here. And I do um, love the, the nature here and, and everything like that. I love the whole surrounding area. Would you like to go back to any hmm. questions? I'll probably, you know, I don't think so off the top of my head. I might, uh, I'll probably think of something once we hang up, right? That's how it usually goes. But no, I think, um, well, I, I can add a few things in, but, you know, but um, I think we covered all the, the questions pretty, pretty well. 
Uh, would you, uh, just what would you like, like to add? I could probably tell you about what's coming in the future because there's a lot of a lot of stuff we're working on um, with that. Um, so yeah, so um, what's in the we, ever since you know the lockdowns happened, um, we had we I just totally pivoted from we had some live shows get canceled obviously, and then um, just completely pivoted to studio mode, which I was happy to do anyway because I had so much material I wanted to work on. So since since March of 2020. Uh, I've just been writing a lot of stuff. So, but then a kind of a surprise album came up in between where I got together with these two of my friends and they hadn't played on the previous record. Um, the one guy, Mike, uh, was going to play a live show with us, but the shows got shut down. So I had planned on getting him involved, but then I had another friend, uh, an old time friend, John, um, who joined me as well on, uh, you know, we kind of all just kind of swapped instruments and we created this sort of, I guess you would call it, I'm bad with genres, but like a sort of like a dark folk album. Um, I guess, you know, I don't want to really put anything. Uh, it's almost like, uh, if you listen to black Sabbath planet caravan or like, uh, um, jail by down, you know, off of Nola kind of, you know, atmospheric vibes and things like that. So we kind of ended up doing that by accident just because of the situation we were in and, and um, so we have this album that we're working out along with a video that's going to come along with it that we're excited about. Um, so that's going to be the first thing release we release in the next the new year, 2022. Um, so that we didn't plan on making an album like that, but but it ended up happening. So it's kind of cool. It's a different avenue for us. Um, so it's going to be very on the light and atmospheric and folky kind of side. Um, but then immediately after that, I'm working on this simultaneously. We have a really... Um, scathingly heavy album coming right after that and i haven't gotten to work as much on this one but there's a third also that's a little more still heavy but on the progressive side i would say so we have these three albums that um are just going to come out right hopefully if everything goes as planned right in a row so you got the whatever you want to call it acoustic folk kind of album then you have this really heavy album that we're working on um you could kind of think of like crestfallen you know songs like that and then we have a third one, which is going to take a little longer, but that's, so we have those three in the pipeline. I'm hoping to get the first two out in 2022 and maybe the third the following year. Uh, but yeah, we're working as fast as I can on all this studio stuff. So it's going to be an abundance of, of music for the foreseeable future. Uh, I think, I think that, that kind of covered that whole last bit was, um, you know, we got a, a lot of music coming out um not necessarily shows planned right now but we got music um and a video music a whole big music video that's going to accompany the next album the entire album so that's pretty cool and um yeah so and then hopefully you know uh we'll get that stuff out as soon as possible and uh, i, I want to thank you nick thank you for having me appreciate it man very important sean uh, what are your social media contacts? So, yeah, thank you for mentioning that, actually. So uh, Gates to the Morning, you know, we're on Instagram, at, at Gates to the Morning, you know, on, I guess, Facebook, too. Facebook's become really difficult to, like, use a business page with. So I, I don't find – I still post to it, but I'm not sure how many people even, you know, use Facebook to follow bands anymore. Um, but we're on there, too. We're on Twitter. I think it's at Gates Morning. But, you know, if you look up Gates to the Morning, you'll find us there. Um, and I, th that's all the social media we're on and we have a website too, gates of the morning.com, but that hasn't been updated in the last year or so. 
And Bandcamp as well. That's where you can find our music too and our merch, I should say. That's probably the most important one is Bandcamp. Thank you. This has been an interview with Sean Myers of Gates of the Morning on Friday, November 12th, 2021 by Nick Burkell.